This morning, I want us to talk about how we can be free of being deceived. And that's, that's not an easy thing. Jesus warns about it. And sometimes I think we, we want to make a distinction this morning. When Paul here is talking about us not being deceived, he is not... He is, I think, let me see, how shall I say this? He is trying to encourage us and invite us, challenge us, even command us to walk in the ways of the Lord and just not get preoccupied with anything else. It's not so much a choosing between, well, this is true and this is false, but this is the Lord's, and if it's not running after Him, if it's not focus on Him, if it doesn't help us remember what He's done, then why are you wasting time on that? And so what I want to share though this morning, how many of y'all are used to me using an alliteration when I preach? Same letter. We're not going to do that this morning. We're going to use an acrostic instead. If you know what that is, tell your neighbor what, what an acrostic is. We're going to share your, uh, the Lord's superpowers uh, this morning. We're going to spell out the word super. And we're going to share our superpowers that God gives us to keep us from being deceived. And the number one superpower that we have I'll say it one way, is the Holy Scriptures, the Scriptures. It is how God speaks to us is our greatest superpower. The fact that God will speak His Word into our hearts. That we can live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's the last, one of the last things Paul tells them I mean, he says it at the beginning because the word for ask or request is the word for speak into so that it searches our heart. I want to speak something. I want to, King James says, I beseech you by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together with him. I want, I want to speak to you and everything I speak helps us move towards that moment when Jesus comes. Everything that you are taking in is helping you prepare and be a people, as we said a couple of weeks ago, being a people of the day. Paul says, look, so then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether it came to you by word of mouth or by letter, so that God can, again, continue to speak. That's our greatest superpower, that you know the Word of God, and that the Word of God knows you. Then the second superpower he talks about is just having an unwavering faith. And he says, and the opposite of that is just don't let anyone deceive you in any way or let you get unsettled 
or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. But hold to an unwavering faith. Love the truth, he says. Until you see Jesus. Anything else? And some people may even say, it's from God. It's from the apostle. It's from... No, he said, until you see him... Don't put any faith in it. Then the third third superpower here I want us to talk about really for a moment is just the patience. Now there are two words for patience in the scripture. There's the kind of patience that I think most of us are accustomed to lacking in. Um, and that is the patience to sort of stay under something until, until you're not under it anymore, until you've carried it far enough or until you've done what you needed to do. But the, there's another word for patience. When God talks about his love, this is the word he uses. When Paul talks about patience back here in earlier in Thessalonians, this is the word he uses. It's the word for God's big picture, his macro theme. And we want to have that kind of patience. I think there's three reasons why we need patience. And I will use an alliteration for this, just for fun. Number one, we need to have patience. Remember God's big picture. Because some of us are tempted to take shortcuts, or to take short-term substitutes for our discipleship to the Lord, for how we pursue God in prayer, for how we study His Word, for how we take advantage of the means of grace. Some of us have already, if you asked us what our devotional life would be like, very few of us are going to talk about praying for six hours. Or waking up at four and praying until six and then, you know, eating breakfast and going to see somebody and then coming back and doing some more. We just, we just don't have that discipline. Why? Because we found a substitute. It's called the little sentence that I can read in the morning and it, like, gives, I'm good to go. And if you're choosing between nothing and the sentence, I'd say choose the sentence. But just know that that, in some ways, that's sort of a, a substitute for really getting into God's Word and seeking the Lord or seeking His face or doing all that stuff. And all of us, like I said, all of us are tempted. That's why I said we need patience. Because almost all of us are tempted to make short-term substitutions for long-term discipleship. Then the second thing I think why we need patience is because a lot of us, if we were push come to shove, and we have a lot of people in the world that are this way too, a lot of people in the church, 
If you could just give us a system that we could be a part of that promises us security or safety, we're good. We really, if, if we had to choose between freedom in the spirit and just this bold obedience, we'd choose the safety and the security. And then there's a third reason, I think, why we need patience. Some of us are tempted, and I think sometimes maybe the smarter you are, the easier that is to be tempted this way. That we need patience because we like to speculate about things. We like to focus on stuff we don't have an answer for rather than focusing on things we do have an answer for. Sometimes we become like what I would call um, like adults who walk into the room, or usually family members, who walk into the room right after a parent has disciplined the child. And by that point, the child's not misbehaving. They're sitting, you know, because they're being punished or disciplined in some way. And you walk in on that and you're like, why aren't you letting them play with the other children? They're not doing anything wrong. Y'all ever been in that situation? That's why we moved away from being by my mama, I think, uh, if I remember right. Uh, one of the reasons. We would discipline the children, and then they would run across the field and tell mama what we did. And then mama would want to discipline us. But no, you walk in, and it's like, I know what you think, but I don't care. Why do I not care? Because you weren't here for the original disobedience. Y'all understand? We understand each other? I think that's what Paul is talking about here some. Look at all how he describes. He says now, every time he describes how that mystery of lawlessness will work. He said it's already at work. But I said, I don't want you to speculate about how all that will work out. Because even though it will come, and the lawless one, the man of lawlessness is revealed, there in verse 3, before the verse is even finished, God says, that man's doomed to destruction. Now he will do all these things. He will oppose, he will exalt himself over everything that's called God or his worship so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. But look, I've already told you all about this. And when the lawless one is revealed, verse 8, the Lord Jesus will overthrow him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. So you can speculate, you could speculate all you wanted about how all this lawless stuff will work its way out but he's basically saying you'd be wasting your time because look, when it comes, it's going to come. And I know you'd like to be able to tell everybody that you know how it's going to all work out. But I can tell you how it's going to work out. Jesus is going to overcome it all. <laughs> Jesus is going to put it all in its place. And we like to speculate about things now in these days. I don't know if any of y'all, any of y'all ever watched the, alien, the ancient alien show on TV? I mean, it's so fascinating between, you know, they don't use all the words, but I mean, you know, you, between the, what is called the Watchers or the Grigori or the uh, Nephilim or the Fallen or the 
the mighty ones or the giants or the ancient astronauts or whatever. Let's just say there's a whole lot of things that go on on in the past that the Bible really doesn't spend a lot of time talking about. But every time it does bring up any of that subject, whether it's Jude or here or back in Genesis, all it reminds us of is, look, it's already been judged. And even though it's going to try to repeat itself, you could sit there and speculate about the sons of God or the whatever and how much they helped humanity or how much they harmed humanity, how much they cultivated humanity or how much they corrupted humanity. He said, but when it's all said and done, Jesus is going to overthrow it with the breath of his mouth and destroy it by the splendor of his coming. All of that has already been judged. So again, just as God doesn't want us to be tempted to, for short-term substitutes to his word or to choose some secure promise that somebody else might give us, like a lot of people are doing right now, I'll say with, why do people, so many people like socialism? I mean, it hadn't really worked anywhere, but it still promises that it'll make everybody the same and it'll make everybody secure. But God says it's better if you would just spend time loving the truth. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of miracles, lying wonders, signs, and everything, and sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. But he says we're not those people. We're not the people who perish. We are the people who love the truth and are saved. So we need patience. Otherwise, we'll get caught up in all of the speculation. Instead of remembering God already was there when the original disobedience took place. It may look like to us, there's nothing, they, they didn't do anything bad. That's because we're looking at it from after they've been punished. It just hadn't all been worked out yet. So that's why he gives us this next superpower superpower of encouragement. He says, it begins that next chapter. Look, this is why we ask you to pray for us. That the message of the Lord could spread rapidly and just be honored just as it was with you. We want the Lord Jesus Christ himself because he will. And the God, even our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us in eternal encouragement and good hope to encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. He says, what will mark you as mine will be the sanctifying work of the Spirit and your trust in the truth. So that's what we encourage ourselves with. And then finally, we have one more superpower that I'm so thankful for. And that is the power to remember. To remember what Jesus has done for us, to remember what Jesus will do.
We did it a few weeks ago. We'll do it again in a couple of weeks. We did it this morning in early service. This is my body, which is given for you. Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, when he took the cup, he blessed it, he gave it to his disciples, saying, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful power to remember. To remember the word you've spoken into our heart. To remember the way you saved us and gave us an everlasting love and relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to remember the big picture. That I don't have to judge anything. I just have to align myself with the way you've already judged things. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you're a God of encouragement. Thank you that we can encourage one another. That the word was, that was spoken into us, we can speak into the lives of others. We can help each other remember. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these great superpowers. Allow us to stand firm, to hold fast when everything else is all falling apart. Thank you as the choir sang for just being on board with us and for us not having to face anything that we don't face together with you. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from this evil, this power of lawlessness that's already at work. Keep us to that great day when we behold the splendor of his coming. Now, Lord, as there's any way we've So they tried to push forward our own, own way this week. Father, we ask for your forgiveness. And for we ask your Holy Spirit to work in us a way. Again, our prayer, Lord, is for us to more and more look like Jesus. So we offer to this now to you in Jesus' name. Amen.